Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week Patricia Axelrod, who is a military scientist for peace and the director of the Desert Storm Think Tank and All Veterans Advocate, a project dedicated to analyzing and reducing the impacts and consequences of war to civilians and soldiers alike. She's testified before presidential advisory committees on issues of Persian Gulf illness and other veteran health issues, and her work has been incorporated into congressional research projects as well as GAO efforts. She is in Illinois at the moment and has conducted in-theater bomb damage assessment post-desert storm throughout Iraq, where she was held captive by the Hussein government, as well as from Budapest to Kosovo following American warfare against Kosovo. Her work on behalf of veterans serves to obtain medical treatment for individual sick and dying veterans otherwise deprived of care by the VA, and her long-term experience battling with the VA leads her to believe that the VA healthcare system is corrupt and broken beyond repair and therefore should be abolished and replaced with Medicare and or another civilian health care system. Patricia Axelrod, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thank you so much for having me, David, and I'm pleased to be here. Very timely right now in light of the fact, of course, that we now have yet another Trump move against veterans and against soldiers as it regards uh, his effort to ban uh, transgender soldiers and veterans possibly from care. I love the idea of abolishing the VA and replacing it with Medicare for All because I love the idea of creating Medicare for All and creating universal benefits for everyone. Um, is, is this something you've been working on proposals for? Is there is there any movement on such a, a transformation in Washington? Actually, there is a movement, although it's a rather quiet movement, I might add. It hasn't made a, a lot of press. Um, let, me, let me inform your listeners that as, as we speak today, and by the end of 2018, there will be 9.3 million veterans, a great percentage of which will be requiring and accessing uh, the VA. And uh, let me tell you that I came to this opinion via a, a long-term battle with the VA. Uh, as, a, as a veteran advocate, um, I not only research and write about uh, veteran issues, I also, uh, on a one-on-one -on -one basis, uh, fight for health care. I go nose-to-nose with VA doctors and medical practitioners in order to obtain medical care for sick and dying veterans who would otherwise be deprived of medical care. And we're talking about veterans who, uh, unfortunately, in many instances are 100% um, disabled and still have not received their benefits for service-connected disability. We're talking about veterans who are browbeaten, who are reduced to um, suicide. Uh, I remind your listeners, if you're not aware of this, that more than one veteran per hour kills him or herself. These are the suicide rates amongst veterans. 
this is what we know to be true, at least one veteran per hour. I can assure you, in my estimation, that's even higher. That, that level of, of suicidal uh, action is even higher. So as a consequence of battling with the VA, going up against the medical directors of the VA, battling it out with the secretaries of the VA, I can assure you, in my opinion, it is so broken, the system is so corrupt, um, the, the persons working there, the VA personnel, are so beaten down uh, themselves. Uh, and on top of which, let me tell you this, VA medical personnel and directors, medical directors and administrative directors, are incentivized to deny care. They're financially incentivized to deny care. This is a dirty, ugly secret that people are not cognizant of. But this is, in some great measure, why veterans are routinely denied care. Because any money that is derived from denying care essentially winds up in the pockets of the upper echelon of the VA, inclusive of medical directors and even medical personnel on the ground. So with that said, if they are incentivized to deny care, if they are... uh, if they are, in fact, uh, the personnel, the medical personnel, and the other personnel are so browbeaten and so tired as a consequence of veterans who are standing there demanding care, hoping for care, begging for care, doing their best to get care, and then, of course, become frustrated when they don't receive adequate care. Therefore, of course, they vent against the medical personnel who, in turn, turn it around and vent against the VA. It is a vicious cycle and circle that will never be corrected and needs to be replaced. And I am surely um, totally aware of this as a consequence of the fact that, as I said to you, in my experience and after complaining, I might add, to congressional uh, VA committees and so forth, there are those at the congressional level that are supportive of abolishing this. But if you will take note of the latest statement by David Shulkin, the new VA secretary, he is about. He has said full well that the VA will never be privatized. They will never relinquish their turf. The VA will not be abolished. The healthcare system will not be abolished. It's it's an interesting problem, Patricia Axelrod, because advocates for single payer health care or Medicare for all or universal system that cuts out the private health insurance companies, that unique corrupt creation of the United States, uh, view government coverage of, of health costs as preferable. Uh, but here you're pointing to a government health coverage uh, system uh, as being hopelessly corrupt. Uh, how does the VA differ from what Medicare for all would be? Well, Medicare for All has a, has a means test, as you know. And once one qualifies for, well, actually for Medicare, how, we're how? talking about Medicare in the real term, but Medicare for All, let me, t- let me first uh, address the issue of Medicare, Medicaid versus 
the VA. When one uh, qualifies for Medicaid, one then can actually go to any physician who will accept Medicaid and therefore receive care. And interestingly enough, those costs are considered to be lower, health care costs are considered to be lower for Medicaid than they are for the VA. Now, as far as universal health care is concerned, Medicaid for all, I would tell you that as privately that I believe in this for all civilian and veteran populations. And what it would do is cut out the middle person. Now, the, the VA has something called a choice program, which allows for veterans to access civilian health care if allegedly uh, there is no health care, VA health care, uh, available to them. And I say allegedly. This, this is, in fact, the mandate for the CHOICE program. And this CHOICE program came about as a consequence of the 2014 hearing whereupon people began to learn of the horrific wait time that veterans experienced and also the, uh, the, the health care that they were receiving, which was resulting in a lack of health care and subsequent unnecessary deaths. Therefore, in 2014, something called a choice program came to be, and it, is a, it should allow a veteran to access civilian health care if and when there is no um, VA physician who can tend to their needs, if there is a specialty, for instance, that uh, the VA does not have at that particular facility, or if they've had to wait overly long. The bottom line, though, is that this choice program is an extraordinary failure as well because it is subject to all of the failings of the uh, VA because any soldier or veteran who accesses the choice program must go through the VA in order to obtain this, and therefore the bureaucracy of it all holds them up. And the same corruption that every other veteran is subject to under the VA comes into play via the CHOICE program. So the CHOICE program is an entire farce as well. Now, vis-a-vis universal health care, I have to be perfectly, I'll be frank if you'll be earnest, right, David? I am not fully informed about the um, adequacies and or alleged failings of universal health care. I do know, as an aside, that this is something that is practiced in the UK, uh, also in Germany, and also in Canada. I've been the recipient of this health care in these nations, and I can assure you that I did not encounter anywhere near the problems that I might have had in the United States, uh, and the health care was sufficient. So certainly I uh, am a proponent of universal health care, but I can't really... Uh, discuss that, uh, David, and wouldn't want to lead you astray, so to speak. Yeah, well, I, I like to think it would have a smaller bureaucracy than the VA because it would not be providing health care, just health coverage, and because it would be universal and no means tests, etc. But uh, the, the possibilities for corruption, I think, are always 
endless. Uh, You mentioned suicides, uh, Patricia, and uh, I I wonder to what extent you think the high rate of suicides in U.S. troops and veterans uh, is preventable by better health care. I can assure you from from dealing with veterans, I, I do receive phone calls from veterans who are ready to kill themselves. I have a I, ha- I have a, a veteran who has a, a noose hanging in her closet as she waits for the time to uh, strike. Um, the bottom line is that despite the, the the one thing the VA is good at is propaganda. The one thing they're good at is PR. That's the one thing they're good at. Because they are assuring you, if, if you watch television, if you watch mainstream television, they are, they are now reaching out to veterans and they're telling, they're, I've seen uh, public uh, comments or public uh, notices where veterans are encouraged to call if they're, if they're experiencing suicidal ideation ideation being that they're at that point where they're planning to do it. They've got everything ready to go. Maybe they've got their pills out. Maybe they're, they've got the noose out. Maybe they've got their blade out to cut their throat. And, and just before that time, they are expected to pick up the phone and call the same VA, which is responsible for them reaching this point. Post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, is something that is ongoingly contributing to the suicides of the suicidal rate of veterans. And because the um, military as a whole is not properly addressing this issue, because they are loath to acknowledge that in reality, going to war, these young people, many of whom are between the ages of 17 and 24, they think of war as a computer game. They have no idea of the realities of war. They have no idea that they're going to be killing people. The rules of engagement in, uh, in warfare, modern warfare, U.S. modern warfare, involve things like running over children, if in fact with tanks and or trucks, if in fact let's say, a young kid jumps out in front of a military convoy. You don't stop. You run that child over. These are, these rules of engagement, in fact, lead to something called moral injury. And moral injury, coupled to the fact that these veterans have been uh, led to believe that the VA is there for them, that it will tend to their needs, that it will serve them, coupled to this extraordinary frustration and the fact that they're not getting adequate care. I know myself that I have called on behalf of veterans to save them however I can. I do this generally with a three-way conversation. I'll have the veteran on the line, I'll bring the VA in, and I will, will ask beg, cajole, plead, demand to get health care for this veteran, to get mental health care for this veteran. And, in fact, it's not forthcoming. 
I know this myself. I have lost veterans. I have had veterans for whom I have cared kill themselves. So I can assure you that this is an issue that is not going away. Uh, Afghanistan, it is my understanding, if, if uh, there was an announcement today, that the mineral wealth of Afghanistan is now something in excess of a trillion dollars. I can assure you that tempted by that mineral wealth, the United States is not pulling out of Afghanistan. They're going to go in there and, in fact, um, gain that, grab that, those natural resources if they can. These young people are dying on behalf of corporate entities that become wealthier and wealthier. These young people are dying for oil. They're dying for mineral resources. In my estimation, a human being, a young man or woman, is worth far more than any amount of natural resources, of oil, mineral, wealth, whatever it might be that the United States can gain by, by entering into war. And I will tell you this, that with that said, bear in mind um, that uh, Donald Trump, who calls himself a, quote, military man, a man who never served, I might add, uh, himself, and who denigrated, I might add, uh, uh, Senator McCain, by going so far as to say that he prefers to have his his, so, his uh, heroes, quote, dead, not alive, but dead. Um, uh, with that said, uh, Trump, and I refuse, I cannot use the term President Trump. I'm sorry. I, I find that offensive. Trump is, in fact, doing his best to recruit um, at least 60,000 more um soldiers into the U.S. Army, and um, there is an extraordinary effort underway right here and now, even as we speak, to um, recruit more soldiers. The Army is scheduled uh, to spend $300 million on bonuses and ads to get 6,000 more recruits, for instance. And so with that said, uh, as as um, the various uh, branches of the military do their best to seduce these young people, in many cases going into high schools and making them promises of, uh, of uh, great heroics and great promising them, for instance, uh, that they're going to have money for college, promising them bonuses that never materialize, promising them the moon and giving them cheese, essentially, rotten cheese, I, I can assure you that these issues will become more significant as time wears on. Patricia, you talked about uh, PTSD and about moral injury. There's, there's a third phenomenon that I, I've run into in numerous veterans uh, in recent years, which is brain injury from explosions. Traumatic, uh, in, yeah, traumatic brain injury, yeah. Uh, TBI, yeah. That is an issue that is uh, poorly understood. It, uh, perhaps you folks, your listeners, know this, or perhaps you don't. You know, we know more about outer space than we do the human brain and its function thereof. So TBI 
a traumatic brain injury is an issue that affects veterans um, physically and mentally, intellectually, and uh, obviously impacts their future. TBI is routinely experienced in the battlefield as a, cons- a consequence of modern warfare, uh, so-called modern warfare, where American soldiers mount extraordinary uh, firepower, inclusive of the use of so-called depleted uranium, which I would refer to at, rather as radioactive weaponry. So, um, and it, the use of um, explosive devices, which bring about shock and awe, unfortunately, to our veterans, and consequently, our soldiers are experiencing what has now become known as traumatic brain injury, TBI. Um, another factor that's extraordinarily important is the use of so-called depleted uranium. And I think it's vital to qualify that depleted uranium, or what I would refer to as radioactive weaponry, is, is um, manufactured from actual nuclear waste. And when, in fact, a projectile, a, we'll call it DU right now, when a, when a projectile impacts its target, what happens is that this dust, this radioactive dust derived from the use of this class of weaponry is thereafter inhaled by all civilians and veterans. And, they, and the veterans naturally inhaling radioactive dust and this is an alpha emitter, I might add, alpha emitter. So it's, it is akin to radon. This radioactive material, this dust, this, this part, these particles are akin to the inhalation of radon. And those who are uh, cognizant of uh, radon may know that in the past, and of course the EPA today, who knows what it will do, but in the past, the EPA made the statement that there was no safe level of exposure to radon. The same thing is true with this radioactive weaponry. And these people inhale it, and it is now lodged in the lungs and is traveling through the bloodstream. And just as in the past, soldiers and veterans suffered from the consequences of of Agent Orange as a consequence of the the fact, of course, that the military would not acknowledge the health impacts and effects of, of Agent Orange. So it is uh, true with the use of this particular class of, of uh, weaponry. And this is uh, deployed broadly throughout any so-called hotspot that U.S. forces are uh, exposed to. I know that most nations don't use DU weapons, and many consider them illegal. But I was disappointed no, that, that it that it was not included in the new treaty banning nuclear weapons. There, there's no inclusion well, of. This. Yeah, David, I hate to, I hate to correct you, my dear. Um, and self praise is no recommendation. But I've been following this issue for many years. As an aside, there was indeed an effort within the UN to ban the use of this class of weaponry. But in fact, uh, so-called 
uh, DU is widely deployed amongst uh, U.S. allies, um, uh, inclusive of uh, Israel, I might add. Uh, it was first uh, deployed, as a matter of fact, in the Seven-Day War of uh, Israel against Egypt. Uh, and it is an extraordinarily effective tank killer and an extraordinarily uh, effective and powerful uh, weapon of choice. So that it's being deployed in 20-millimeter rounds, it is being deployed in artillery, it is broadly uh, deployed throughout um, U.S. forces as well as unfortunately, many of our allies. Now, they may not acknowledge the use of this, but I can assure you it leaves behind a signature that is noticeable. And as an aside, just as an aside, in my um, assessment of bomb, bomb damage assessments from Kosovo to Yugoslavia, uh, rather from uh, Budapest to Kosovo, I took a Geiger counter and went from bomb site to bomb site and uh, essentially crawled around from bombsite to bombsite with a, a, a specifically calibrated Geiger counter that would detect alpha emissions. And in fact, there was certainly a signature that was produced, a radioactive signature that was produced. The issue with so-called depleted uranium is, in fact, n number one, the use of that term, which neutralizes its lethality. And so, therefore, those who are uh, cognizant of it, because they hear this term, quote, depleted uranium, I'm talking about civilians, not, not we who are engaged in this effort, but the, um, the use of uh, the military speak, weapons speak, of so-called, uh, the term depleted uranium, ostensibly neutralizes the lethality of this. So, indeed, um, this coupled to the fact that I'm sure your listeners are wholly cognizant of, of the fact that the radio radioactive waste is a, is a big problem. It, it is, Patricia. Uh, We've got less than a minute left. I, I do uh, still suffer under the, the misimpression that most countries aren't using it and that of the 130 or so countries that are seeking to ban nuclear weapons, most of those are not using DU. Am I, am I wrong in that? I would say with all due respect, uh, you are wrong. Uh, those uh, combatant countries such as the U.K., uh, such as uh, any of the other the, the allies. The U.K. is not seeking to ban nuclear weapons, sadly. I yes, wish it were. No, exactly. And that's what we want to think about. I mean, there may be many nations that are working to ban nuclear weapons who are supportive of that. This does not mean even necessarily that those same countries are indeed uh, engaged in addressing the issue of depleted uranium or radioactive weaponry because they're not wholly cognizant Right. of the lethality, and the impact and effect that it has upon soldiers and civilians alike, leaving behind, I might add, not only uh, sickened uh, soldiers and veterans, but thousands upon thousands of civilians. 
who are also suffering the consequences. Thank you, Patricia Axelrod, for the work you're doing, for informing us and stimulating ideas and proposals. We will keep in touch. Thank you very, very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Well, I thank you so much for having me, and may I wish everyone, all of your listeners, all the best. May I give my number? 775-412-5980. Veterans in need, family members concerned about veteran health, give me a call. I stand by, willing and ready to assist you. Thanks, Patricia. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.